friends, so good to be back with you all. It's always, it feels like a bit like home now, it's the like fourth time in the last year or something like that. So, uh, you know, here I am, and uh, watch again, I'm being recorded. Um, I didn't swear as much in my last sermon, so my mum was pleased. So now there's a link to check if I've been swearing in my sermons again. Um, and so I, was, I got a bit more of the approval. Anyway, uh, it's so nice to be here, and I um, uh, uh, was at Brooklyn this morning, so it was kind of fun, and, um, and but, you know, you guys are a better church, so it's a joy. There's no just this in you know, there's just no one to mock, so we to do that, so I'm a bit disappointed in that, but apart from that, great to see you all. Um, hey, um, just, uh, just tonight, um, just thinking about the last few days and what to share when I can blueprint and that, you know, aware of what's happened at Wilfer's Lodge and the tragedy there. And, and in my own life as well, I just feel like um, being uh, impacted by death. <laughs> um, about a, a week ago, a, a friend, who was a close friend, who kind of drifted a wee bit the last couple of years, but a really good guy um, my age uh, just dropped dead, heart attack. Um, young, you know, one of those ones you don't see coming. A lovely guy, um, I would say, was on the beginning journey of a, of a Jesus journey. Um, you know, when we were having our chats and stuff. Um, really got the kingdom stuff. Like, really had a heart for those on the edge and gave his best for that. And um, beautiful, beautiful man, but, but died. And uh, kind of rattles you. But it does rattle you, obviously. And um, so being around that, and, and also, as I think I've made aware uh, before, just very really serious, really fast thing. Um, but uh, uh, in back, we're involved with um, Common Good Coffee and our money goes to Joya and I mentioned that before in previous messages if you've uh, heard me speak, shameless promotion. Um, and uh, there was a, again, uh, uh, not too long ago, there was a young fella that's kind of a, one of the lifeblood of, of the community over there, um, was a, a young kid, maybe 10, 11, 12 years old, he's on a lot of our marketing photos actually. Um, one of those kids that uh, has been around uh, the community out in Kolkata in the this, in this slum areas for a, and is, is kind of just full of life, you know, kind of, you know, Jesse Duckworth, that kind of full of energy kind of person. Um, uh, kind of slightly annoying, but also awesome at the same time. Um, one of those ones. And a uh, and, uh, beautiful kid um, whose who's family was involved with, with the work with that crew, but got ill and um, turns out it was leukemia and you know, one of those kids uh, that lots of people are praying for, both here and overseas and whatever else, and, um, and then died. And again, um, one of those situations where you're just like, God, where, where are you in that one? You know, already gone through the, the struggle of being in a community that is rife with, with extreme poverty and modern slavery, you know, man out of the trade and all that stuff, getting life right, this kid coming alive, you can see so much future potential for this this young person that's probably going to go on and influence and get sick and you know it's not the plan for this kid to die and you pray they're going to die but God, where are you in that? Same with my mate I just mentioned before. God, where are you in that situation? So, and then, you know, obviously stuff's happened here in, in Wellington and it got me thinking, just in that train of thought, just bear with me a bit longer. Um, about other ones, you know, not too long ago, a, a good friend of ours, uh, Duncan, as some of you all know Duncan, part of the Anglican uh, world. Again, one of those guys is just like, not that God has, well, God has does have favourites probably, uh, Scottish for, for one. Um, <laughs> but, you know, uh, one of those ones, one of those guys, the heart of gold, really captured the love of Jesus 
for himself and for his family um, and was just humble. You know, I'm not humble, I'm, I'm all show, but this guy, actually <laughs> humble, beautiful person, generous, generous with, with who they were as a family, up for the Jesus journey, up for um, the radical journey, um, uh, and recovered from cancer at a young age, then got cancer again, young family, um, and again we're praying and, and hoping, and even through that journey, still giving his best for others. Uh, I think even moved to be part of a missional community that was about how do we use our land and our home for for including other people in that. So he's not kind of person. You're not a person like oh, that just gives me hope for the kingdom. And praying and praying and then dies. And like, God, of all the people, at least take that dickhead, but not you know, not him. God, where are you in that? I remember about uh, a friend of mine, um, uh, I call him Jerry, what was his real name, years ago when I was um, young and quite young in the faith in early, my early 20s. And I um, was trying to be a pastor at the time, way back in the day in uh, Auckland. And I went around to see this guy and again, another beautiful man, and, and um, his passion was, was kind of young people and, and, and music. So, especially working with the tough young kids in terms of doing kind of music therapy. And that was his way of expressing his faith and just one of the heart of gold, again, young family, whatever else, and got sick, got, got cancer. And I remember he ended up dying, but I remember turning up um, to, to see him in, I think it was hospice or something at that point. He was quite sick. And um, again, big warm smile, knew the joy and the goodness of Jesus here and I'm in amongst the struggle, you know, which in itself is a, a testimony in itself, but, but still difficult. And I remember turning up and this boy was there, a teenage boy, and as we were talking, as he was, I was came in to visit my Jerry to do a pastoral visit, I suppose. And um, his boy was about to leave, and then Jerry vomited, and it was like blue green vomiting, all this stuff, all this stuff. It was, it was just an image that was horrendous, and he just knew he didn't want his boy to see it. And I think at that moment, I go, God, where were you in that? Lastly, I was thinking about. Um, Thinking about my uh, mate, um, um, Colin Reese, and uh, again, you know, this guy, a bit more oh, battler, you know, um, on and off with addiction stuff, and but good heart, lovely heart, but just so, you know, a bunch of trauma in his life, and um, gone through the system and whatever else, and we've known each other for a bunch of years, and, and anyway, he'd kind of, uh, kind of, you know, had a great love for his family, he wasn't allowed to, we didn't have care of his kids and stuff, but it was getting back on track with his life and um, was getting into a good place and again was a place where he was kind of known about the goodness of God and there was this good journey beginning to start again, but he had a hiccup and he fell back in old patterns, he got back on the staff and he overdosed and he died. <laughs> and, um, and I remember we had the tonguey at our house, because I had nowhere else to have the tonguey because they were kind of disconnected from their wider family, and we had this tonguey and the, his, his youngest it was maybe three or four at the time. Beautiful wee boy, beautiful wee boy. And I think it was maybe the third day at the home, our home, and I went outside to get a breather. And um, this wee boy is there, and he's holding, he's holding this picture of his dad, who's died. And uh, you know, I'm outside, and I'm having a breather, and he's walking around by himself, just kicking stones or whatever. And I, you know, I don't know what to say, so I just go, "Hey, bro, how you doing? You okay? How you doing?" And he just looks at me, big eyes, beautiful eyes, and he goes, I just want my dada, I want to see my dada, I want to see my dada. And I remember, 
I just think in God, where are you in this moment? Hey. So anyway, um, you know, it's got me thinking about all that stuff, which got me to thinking about um, the story in the Gospels of this, the raising of Lazarus, which seems like a really random story. Um, but I thought that's the, that's the story for tonight I want to, to share and I want to maybe share some reflections on. Is that okay? Yeah. You with me? Have you tuned into my accent? Right? Okay, here we go. So this is um, from John chapter 11. I've kind of cut it down because it's flipping long and, uh, and, and kind of kept it to the parts that I feel are probably relevant to tonight's Cody Row. So this is um, John, I think chapter 11. But you can find it in John if you read the book of John. Okay, I forgot to put the, the verse. Here we go. This is the story from John's Gospel. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. So the sisters went, sent word, sent word, sorry, to Jesus. Lord, the one you love is sick. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days, and then he sent his disciples, said to his disciples, Let us go back. The disciples responded, But teacher, a short while ago the locals there tried to stone you, and yet you're going back. Jesus persisted and said, let us go. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. In the tomb for four days. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could he who have opened the eyes of the blind man not have kept this man from dying? Jesus, deeply moved once more, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odour, for he's been there for four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you'll see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you'll always hear me. And when he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. His hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Mental story. No, just, just me. Just me that finds that a mental story. That's a mental story. Um, outrageous story, beautiful story, and hopeful story. Um, the thing I want to kick off with first in that story is that uh, the, the little bit where it says that Jesus um, loved them, was a friend of them. Now, I just want to pick up on that for a moment and just say that our God, for those who know our God, our God is a friend. And you know the book on the beloved? It's kind of all about that, right? A friend who loves us. Jesus, it says, loved Lazarus, loved Martha, loved Mary. And he was a friend. I think it's interesting that Jesus says um, to his disciples at the end of the ministry, at the beginning, when we first connected, you know, you guys, I was a teacher, I was, you were the student, but now I call you friend. 
That's God's ultimate hope. That we realise that he's our friend. But he's not just a friend who loves us so well. He's not just a friend. He's a friend who loves us and hears us and listens. And uh, I love the fact that um, they put out the shout to Jesus and Jesus hears it and he responds to it. I suppose my first little thing I want to say about this friend is, or our God, is our God is a friend who listens. Now sometimes in our grief, in our cynicism, in our doubt, in our pain, we refuse to flip and believe it or don't want to or whatever. It doesn't matter. Jesus is a friend who listens. God is a friend who listens. Listens in our grief, listens in our pain, listens in our trauma. Our God is a friend who listens. And in this story is a friend who listens and responds. Now, in this particular story, um, Jesus, it's a bit of an out-of-the-box one. It's not like there's a resurrection that happens all the time. Let's put it out clear there. But for whatever reason, this is near the end of his ministry, he knows that something special is about to happen, and this one's going to end in resurrection. So he knows this is not the end story here, right? Um, so he responds to that, but he responds and eventually goes. Now, the funny part is he goes to a place that he knows he's not welcome and may lose his, lose his life. I mean, he is well down the track on the journey in that landing place. He's pissed off the people in power. He's an, he's an activist and he's a peacemaker and he refuses to use violence. And he knows he's coming to the point where he used to keep his head low because the people in power are going to kill him. So he knows his time's coming to an end. And they've just told him, the disciples have just said, we're not going back to that area because they literally tried to stone you. And that's not with this. It's with the stones. <laughs> right? And so Jesus, who listens, but is willing to go into the hardest of places for the sake of those he loves. I love that. So Jesus lives, listens even when it's completely messy. But Jesus listens in response and he decides, no, we're still going. And so the disciples, some of them even say in, in the actual extended passage, says, oh, let's just go die with him. Let's just go there. So they go. Our God is a God who listens and responds, but goes. But what does he do when he gets there? Jesus gets there and uh, he turns up. And he's not that emotionally involved, it seems, at the moment. He's kind of distant, which I get. Like when I found out my friend died, um, well, again, I haven't seen lots of in the last year and a bit. But when my friend died and I heard it, I was like shocked. And a bit, oh, that's really sad. Um, and then honestly, if I'm honest, because I don't really know the wider the wider relationships and stuff. Oh, should I go? I don't really know the wider plano and this, this instant, it's a bit awkward. I think I'll just stay home and rest because I've had a hard day. And I wasn't really emotionally, but you know what I mean? Sometimes I like that. I don't feel it. But then when I, I decided not to get going, I went with a friend. We went to the, the tangy the other day, went into the home, the body's there. And I cried because I'm in the presence of grief. I'm in the presence of pain and loss and sorrow and heartache. You know what I mean? Like anyone that's experienced that stuff with people close to you, it, it feels distant. But once you're in the room with people, you almost feel, you feel the emotion. It's like an energy that's not just in you, it's in the room. You with me? Does anyone else get that or is it just me? Yeah. And I feel like Jesus, he walks into the situation and it says in the English, it says, um, he saw the people and he saw their grief and loss and he felt greatly troubled. And it's such a shitty word, sorry mum, such a crappy, diluted English word. Um, because in the Greek, the word, the word that means the thing for troubled or disturbed is this word that literally means there is such turmoil in your stomach 
that you physically are reacting. Like Jesus felt the pain to the point that it hurts. It's what the word means. Our God is a God who feels the pain and the grief of those around him to the point that it hurts. And as he walks closer to the tomb, he sees his friend Mary weeping. And what does it say? The shortest passage in the whole Bible, Jesus wept. What's our friend God like? Is it God who weeps? A God who's in solidarity, if you want to use a big fancy word. But a God who weeps, who feels the pain, experiences the pain and weeps with us. Now, I don't know about you, but I find that so comforting. That my God is not just some dick who's far off in a distant land, away from the pain, but according to the life of Jesus, is a God who's there, who hears, who responds, comes close, and just weeps. Where was God when that three-year-old boy was holding the freaking little frame saying, I want my dad, I want my dad, I want my dad. Man, God's weeping. Where was God when Jerry was chucking weird blue-green chemical vial into a bucket in front of his teenage son and feeling gutted about it. God was crying. Where was God when our mate Duncan died and left behind a family that was like, oh, it's not one of the good ones. God was weeping. Where was God when that wee boy that had come through the struggle of the trade and the flipping poverty and everything else and dies of a quite painful death, even joyful to the end, but still died horribly. God was weeping in amongst our community. Our God is a God who listens, he's a friend who listens, and a God who weeps. And I find that hopeful. But it's not enough. I'm glad it's not enough. In this passage, there's more. What I love about this passage is there's more to come. The pain is real, the grief is real, the heartache is real, but it's not the end story. It's never the end story with those who are friends of God. Alright? And um, something about that emotion, that anger, that trouble that Jesus feels in that moment. You know when you've got that level of emotion, you, it's an energy, what the right word is, but there's an energy that builds up. And sometimes when that energy is used badly, it comes out in violence. We don't shit or somebody ends up hitting somebody or, or maybe it's an energy, an emotion or a, a pain that we feel that we just throw out a deal and a bunch of people freaking inject stuff to numb it down or drink stuff to numb it down or watch stuff to numb it down or whatever. We have to deal with the emotion somehow. But Jesus deals with it really beautifully in that it, he channels it in prayer. And in that moment he takes that energy, that trouble, that weeping, that pain and he takes that energy and he moves forward. And Jesus always does this. What is the good that can come in this situation? And he knows that God's up to something. So he does the thing and he prays. And he goes to the tomb of Lazarus, which is outrageous. And he goes to this impossible moment and turns up at the rock and says, remove it. And everyone's like, what the hell? And he says, Lazarus, come out. Feels the Spirit's prompting and Lazarus comes out and it's this outrageous miracle. Transformation. Our God is a God of transformation. Now that may, there is moments that seems to happen. I've got a, my wife's best friend in the Philippines had a moment of something like that happening in her ministry in the Philippines. I'm just like, what the hell? Okay. 
but it hasn't happened in my ministry. <laughs> Hopefully it happens somewhere. But that, it's a thing. But for the majority, it doesn't happen. But in that picture of the God of the transformation, I do believe that even in the worst of situations, the most pain of situations, inviting the presence of God to come, beautiful things can still occur in those moments. And we're called to expect that, to pray for it, to long for it, and to partner with it. Are you with me? So what does that look like? I'm going to share one story of what I think that looks like, and hopefully it's a agree. You with me still? Yeah. Can't tell if you're looking at me because you're bored or you're into it. I'm also partly blind. My glasses are broken. I can't see a thing. Um, that guy I mentioned, who I think I called Reese, to change the name. Um, we'd known him for a long time. And, uh, you know, like I say, an absolute character. Anyway, he, when he OD'd, um, his partner uh, got in touch because they kind of, you know, were part of a pretty messy wider family and they were, had their own mess and they'd burned a bunch of bridges. Um, and as beautiful as they were, it was pretty messy, but they had, she had nowhere to take the body and wanted to do things right by him. And so we, we were living at St. John's Theological College for one year. Now, for those of you who don't know St. John's, St. John's is like in the poshest area of Auckland. And we uh, got to go there for a year on a scholarship uh, in our early thir- or late 20s and um, do a study and, and whatever else. And we got, because there was no normal student housing to go into, me and my wife won the lottery and got to go into one of the ex-lecturer's houses and it is like flash. So we're in this flipping flash five bedroom fancy-ass place, right? It's like, yes. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about, right? And so, um, and so we're in this place, and we're living the dream for that year, and, uh, and then, you know, we get the call about our friend, and it hit us hard, and we just come off the back of some pretty full-on stuff with a foster kid that with us. So we're all in a little bit of turmoil. But we said to our friends, let's call her Rachel, um, who was a partner of Reese, um, oh, do you want to bring the body back to our house and have you know, that part of the tangy here? She's like, yeah, that'd be great. Uh, so, um, you know, the body um, arrives, Reese arrives, and uh, he's, you know, um, comes up and he's Maori and uh, Tikara Maori, uh, part of um, the Anglican Church at the college, were really wonderful, did an awesome kind of welcome and uh, blessing of the, of, the, of, the, of, the, of the home. So he comes on site and slowly over the next day, a lot of um, the kind of news of his death broke and lots of the family started to come. Now, he had over 20 siblings, um, some half, some full siblings, and they all start arriving. And some of these guys hadn't seen each other in decades, like decades. And uh, uh, we had about over 30 people staying at the house who were family or family connected. So it was full noise, absolutely full noise. And, um, and in this place, our prayer had been, um, had been this thing of like, God, show up in your beauty and love in this time of sorrow and pain. And, uh, and so all these people start coming up. And they're pretty, pretty rough and tough. Uh, he'd been kind of, you know, ex-mob and whatever else. And um, had been, well, still wasn't affiliated, friendships and stuff. And so it was a pretty, pretty colourful crew that were staying on site. And, um, it, but there was this, and there was this, real clear um, focus that this was a place um, where Jesus was present and that people were present here, but this is, you know, we have a certain kind of 
and culture that we're maintaining. And it was just this beautiful thing of people reconnecting after years away and sharing stories. And amongst all that, the beauty of that, kind of one of the beautiful things that happened in that time was there was a, the youngest of his siblings who he'd only connect, my friend Reese had only connected with three months before his death or four months before his death, who'd been fostered out as a baby and had had a good experience of fostering and had grown up and was now like quite a famous music producer in Auckland. Uh, he had reconnected, heard about this, and he turned up and stayed for a few days. And he'd never met his siblings. I mean, Chuck, sorry, Reese was the first person that he had met. And it had been this kind of, this healing moment for him of, of getting to connect with his biological family. And now he's in this space where every day this guy, who's like professional, assured, confident, good, is crying tears of joy among the pain, the tears of joy the kind of the connections and beauty that Reese was still bringing about. You know what I mean? Like there was this massively healing journey that every day in his language, in his words, sorry, he would say, like, I know the goodness of God is, is here. Like I'm so thankful for the Creator's work here and what he's doing in my life. Even though he was kind of not really on that bus. It was this beautiful journey. So there was, there was that journey. I think uh, on, the, on the second day, one of the really tough older sisters of Reese, uh, she was from Christchurch, she was like tough as guts. She was awesome. Um, real good heart, but tough as guts. Said, oh, we're such and such. One of the younger half-sisters. And they're like, oh, she's, she's kind, of, kind of connected to the street community and she's just on, on drink all the time. She'll be out of her face. And, and the rumour is she's pregnant. She was like maybe 17, 18. And so they... Persuaded, this lady persuaded, they said, no, they, she has to, so we have to let her know that Reese is dead and we need to get her here to grieve and also reconnect with the family because when are we ever all together on this? It's never happened. And so they end up getting my pregnant wife, <laughs> this priest in training, and pregnant, my wife was pregnant at the time, to get in our shitty Toyota Camry, take off into the middle of town, uh, Queen Street, and didn't, my wife didn't realise at the time, but what it became was, it was a kidnapping. They kidnapped. <laughs> <laughs> this young sister was like on the thing drinking, I don't know, whatever. And they basically dragged her into the car and took her home, sobered up, and it became this unbelievably, stu unbelievably stunning journey for this young woman of re not just to reconnect with her family, but getting sober. And every day, people talking life and love and goodness. Even as we sat with Reese's body in that spare room, this place of her being lifted up in terms of who she really was. She got sober, she started thinking about maybe like there's hope for her and, and Babs, and she ended up moving to Christchurch where she could make a, a new start of it after that, after that time. It was literally new life and new opportunity out of this horrendous situation. Third story within, uh, within that season. Um, every night we'd have evening prayers. Um, someone had actually suggested it among the, among the wider family. Um, for evening prayers, and we said, look, we've, we've got the, the red prayer book, um, which is pretty out there, uh, but if you want to, we can do evening prayers every night, or do something else if you want, and somebody said, no, we'll do that. So every night we'd gather just to do evening prayers for 10 minutes with the Anglican prayer book, which is so, like, outrageously old school, um, and we do this evening prayers, but the person that wanted to lead it was one of Lisa's close friends. And like I say, he'd kind of come out of the gang stuff and just had his own, he was, he was thought for himself. He just was a mate to everybody, this guy. He was talented that way. And this girl was full blue. I think maybe affiliated with like, um, with, uh, I can't 
kind of came out song with all the different gangs. But anyway, um, but she was totally not the same colour as everyone else in the room. That's what I'm trying to say. But she kind of had such, she was staunch, she was tough, and people liked her, and they, they knew that um, our friend Reese loved her, and so they made space. But she was really, what? I'm going to lead prayers. I want to lead the family in a thing of hopefulness. And so every night she would take that book, and she would lead this liturgy. And so you're in this space where you've got this person who's, you know, affiliated with Black Power or whatever, and you've got the rest of the family, and you've got, you know, sitting next to Charlie is all the family photos, including, I think, one of his, like, um, his grandfather or something that was like the ashes were in this thing that had the bulldog on it <laughs> and here's her who doesn't fit this scene leading and weeping with and laughing about the beautiful stories and the hard stories and there's this thing of restoration and community and love happening in this moment and I'm looking around this room thinking how the hell is this happening how am I even here and going this is a picture of the kingdom of God around the table except it's around it's around our friend Reese who the Spirit of God is with right now. In the tomb, the life of God was present, doing a new work. That's three pretty outrageous, beautiful stories in the midst of a time of sorrow, pain, and death. But I put it down to the fact that our God hears because he's a friend who listens. He's a God who responds and weeps with but also as a God who in some way, if we're open to it, will bring beauty in amongst even the most challenging and painful situations. That's the friend, that's the God, that's a friend to us. And so my last little thought for you as I kind of finish up my wee spiel is this. That's not only the God that we follow, that's not only the God that's a friend to us, but it's the, that, that, that type of God is the, that God is calling us into that way of life. To have shoulders back and to have confidence about being a people who can walk into the most challenging of situations as communities of faith and weep with people, grieve with people, but also offer hope and opportunity in the same sentence, in the same breath. You with me? So I probably just want to pray a wee prayer of blessing upon you guys as a community that you continue to grow into being a people that visit, that kind of live out those values. Is that all good? Just pray a quick prayer. God, um, and amongst the challenges of this last week, God, and amongst the challenges that we come across in life and the pain and certainly the ones that make us wonder where you are, God, I thank you that we do have these beautiful reminders in the life of Jesus and in our own experiences that you are a God who not only comes close and who shares in our pain, but never allows it to become the final story. God, help us to not be defined simply by the pain, but to be touched by it, yep, to be scarred by it but to be motivated to see beauty and hope and even transformation come out of it because we walk with you. God, give us that courage, give us those eyes, give us that mind, give us that imagination, and God, help us to have the faith to follow you in that, follow you in that journey as individuals and as a community. We ask in the name of Christ.